0: This is jane gunn the corporate peacemaker and author of how to beat bedlam in the boardroom and boredom in the bedroom and this podcast is about how we can gain a better understanding of some of the aspects of conflict to help us lead happier and more productive lives so i'm speaking today to kevin eikenbury who is a professional speaker trainer and consultant and kevin is also the author of a book called from bud to boss which is about the sometimes difficult transition that people have to make to leadership. So, Kevin, good morning and welcome.
1: Uh, good morning to you.
0: I think it's very early in the morning for you because it's early enough for me.
1: <laughs> well, it's it's like many things in life, Jane, it's all relative.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, thank you for making the time this morning, whatever, whatever time we've got you up to, to do this call. Um, Now, Kevin, tell us a little bit about you and, uh, in particular, how you came to do what you're doing now.
1: Well, Jane, I um, have been in business, uh, in the training and consulting business for um, almost 18 years. And prior to that, I spent seven or eight years working in a very large company here in the United States called Chevron. It's actually a worldwide petroleum and energy company. And um, while I was there, I was involved in (coughs) – excuse me – in sales and marketing, and then in training and consulting work. And so um, when I left Chevron to start my business, I continued to do and leverage what I learned there in the areas of training and consulting, mostly working with leaders, mostly working with organizations to help them become more effective and to come closer to reaching their business objectives.
0: So what what was it about leadership in particular that inspired you to, to move on and focus on that area of work?
1: Well, I learned something a long time ago, Jane, and that is that when I would deliver training uh, or give a speech or whatever in front of a group, the things that I found I was best at and the things that I found I enjoyed the most, and by the way, those two things almost always go together, um, are the things that were that I was teaching that had implication for people both at work and beyond work. In other words, I, see a very, I have a very hard time um, with the line between personal development and professional development. And what I've learned about leaders is two things. Number one is that when um, we make leaders more effective, there's nothing more highly leverageable in an organization than that because the the things that, um, as leaders become more effective, it doesn't just inf- impact them, it impacts many, many other people, so highly leveraged. And the second thing is that as we become a better leader, we become a better human being. I find that when I'm training and teaching and speaking about leadership, uh, Jane, that I spend as much time giving examples about personal life as I do professional life, partly because it helps people get the message and partly because uh, the things apply in all parts of our lives. So once I figured out that when I could talk about things that applied in both areas... Uh, That I was most effective. That's the direction that I headed. So the two ideas then are that leaders, building leadership skills uh, is highly relevant to all parts of our lives and building leadership skills is extraordinarily valuable, not only to the individual, but to the organization. You take those two things and that's probably why I ended up doing what I ended up doing.
0: I always have the idea as well that we ignore families at our peril. In other words, spouses and families I regard as being stakeholders in the business. If you look at it the other way around, they always have an interest well, in the, the business.
1: Well, there's no question about it. Whether it's your business or you work for someone else, there, there's absolutely that's true, right? So on a very practical basis, if I am not as productive as I ought to be or could be, then that's impacting the time I'm spending with my family, either the quantity or the quality, or probably both. And so even on that very sort of simple level, um, the things that we do at work have an impact on those that that we live with and love. And the other thing I find is that oftentimes the things that I'm better at at work or try to get better at at work, I forget about at home. Like, for example... Yesterday I was giving a, uh, a keynote, closing keynote for, uh, I don't know, a couple hundred people. And, you know, if someone came up to me at the end of that talk, I guarantee you that I was an excellent active listener. And I can't say I can make the same guarantee when five hours later I returned home. <laughs> and, and so, you know, and, and I'm not proud of that. And here I am telling the world that. Great, Kevin. Um, the point is that, you know, building those skills is valuable to us everywhere and as you said our families are as big a stakeholders for us as as our clients and our co-workers.
0: Well just five minutes ago I was having a chat with my PA about this very issue because we're talking about we, we were talking about mastery in, in mediation which is what I do and the idea that some people can turn the skills on and off rather as if they were acting out the part and other people just um, manage to understand and integrate those skills into everything they do. So they end up being that kind of person rather than just doing that thing. And, I, you know, I've, I've done another podcast on that whole subject. But the whole idea that, you know, you can integrate these skills, whether they're leadership or conflict management, into all parts of your life, or you can just turn them on and off at will, there's a difference.
1: No doubt. No doubt about it.
0: So, Kevin, what then are some of the challenges and conflicts that new leaders, and I think you, you particularly look at new leaders, have to deal with?
1: Well, yeah, certainly in our in our, um, in our our new book that I co-authored with Guy Harris, one of my colleagues uh, from Bud to Boss, as you mentioned, in that book, we certainly are talking about new leaders. So, I think it's appropriate that we spend some time talking about that. And, and the, the potential conflicts, as in most every other part of life, come when we are having no communication or inappropriate communication or miscommunication. And I think as a new leader, especially whether I'm transitioning as a brand new leader, I've never done this before, or I'm transitioning into my first leadership role and I'm now going to be leading my former peers and pals, um, in either case, um, what's happening when I change roles when I transition is that the relationships around me all change. So now, some people I used to be peers with, I'm now leading, and I have a new boss. So either I didn't know this person before, or my relationship with them changes because our our uh, positional situation changes. I have a new set of team members that are my new peers that I may again know I have known before or not, but again, my relationship with them is going to change. I'm not just another person in the organization now. Now I'm their peer, and so there's all of these groups and people and groups that, that I need to build on my relationships with, that I have to have new communication with, and probably most specifically to our conversation this morning, I have to talk about what our boundaries are and what we're, what's going to work for both of us in this situation. If I have a new boss, I need to find out what their expectations are and share with them my expectations of them in terms of what I'm going to need and want. If I'm talking about my former friends, uh, excuse me, my friends who were formerly I worked with and now I'm leading, uh, I, I need to talk about boundaries. I need to talk about when, when is what appropriate to talk about or not and all of those sorts of things. And all of that left undone or done ine- ineffectively or done mm-hmm. incompletely is certainly um, fertile ground for conflict to develop, right?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we always say that conflict starts – from a conversation that didn't happen or didn't happen well. It's that simple really.
1: I I, I think that's very well stated and I completely agree. And it, and it completely applies to this situation because let's just take the friend thing. Let's say that you and I were good friends mm. and um, you know last week we went for a tea together or our families got together for a barbecue or after Friday work you and I had a, a pint together. Well, now, this week, I'm your boss, and next week I'm doing your performance review. Now, that changes a bunch of stuff. That doesn't mean we can't still remain friends. But a lot of times what happens is the other person is in denial, and they say, well, you know, our friendship is, is strong. It won't matter. We don't need to talk about this yes. stuff. So they want to delay it either because of denial or because they really truly believe it's not a big deal. Well, the reality is as the leader, we must go first and we must make sure we have that conversation um, and, and not judge them for not wanting to have it, but say, we've got to have this conversation for the exact purpose that you just said, Jane. And that is that if we don't have it now, there's a time that's going to come when there's going to be a miscommunication, misunderstanding, uh, feelings are going to be hurt, and then it's going to be too late to have the conversation effectively. So we need to have the conversation now. It does, it's not to make such a big deal about it that we can't work it out. It's simply to make sure that we can do some preventive medicine, if you will.
0: So how do you then, Kevin, encourage people to have those difficult conversations? Because clearly they don't want to have them. Um, these vital conversations that uh, underpin the effectiveness of, of leaders.
1: Well, you know, we have a, we have that opportunity in lots of different ways, and 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 again, different people are coming at it from different places. So, Jane, sometimes I'm trying to influence or encourage people to have the conversation by explaining to them what could go wrong, or helping them reflect on when it has gone wrong for them, or if they're a new leader, I have them reflect on where the where are the situations currently when your conversations are just not quite as comfortable as you'd like them to be? And if I can do all those things, then I can raise their awareness of, you know what, there is something I probably want to do something about here. And so I'm just trying to influence them or persuade them to see the importance of doing this. And so that's really the way we go about it. If if we... If we talk with someone or a group and help them, and they determine that they've had this kind of problem before, well, then it makes it a lot easier for us to discuss getting back on the right path this time around. So, um, our our influence is really to help people see a picture of the future that's better and helping them avoid what they don't want. <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> uh,
0: it sounds a good recipe, and Kevin. The other thing we talked about when we were preparing for this call was about people being promoted for the wrong reasons beyond their capabilities and so on.
1: Well, you know, when we get promoted, well, first of all, most everyone gets promoted, whether it's internal or when you get hired somewhere else. Mm -hmm. We get promoted because we were great at our last job. Mm -hmm. We're seldom promoted because we've already proven or it's already known that we can be great in the next job. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes... People um, are thinking about, well, you know, this person seems to have the right people skills or they seem to have a personality. And even those words are sometimes a challenge. But they have the right sort of personality or I think this will go really, really well. But the reality is we're promoted because of how good we were at the last job. So that means we get into the new job and we may not be prepared and we may not be given the skills and we may not uh, have clear expectations and all those things. And we may lean back on human nature says, work on what you're good at or what you're comfortable with. And so if part of our job is still to do the work, if we were promoted from sales person to sales manager, and we still have a few clients that are ours, where are we going to focus our efforts on the things we're already comfortable with, right? So um, people get promoted often for the wrong reasons and, or at least for an incomplete set of reasons. And again, my belief, Jane, is that even in those situations, people can be successful, but we can't just leave them to their own devices. We must provide them with opportunities yes. and to learn, and they must uh, accept responsibility for learning themselves. So if yes. I'm a new leader, one of the things I tell people is, hey, don't just expect that your company, your organization, your new boss is going to give you all the tools you need. Ultimately, it's your your responsibility to build your skills and improve your performance. So um, both sides have to take a piece in that. But oftentimes, um, that's not where we start. We don't start with people having the skills, we start with something else. And so we got to, we got to, whichever side of that equation we're on, we are the leader or we're promoting the leader. We've got to recognize that we've got work to do. And it's time um, to step up and work on those things.
0: And do you do any work with family businesses? I've just got involved in in delivering some seminars on that. And that, to me, seems to be uh, an area where people are often promoted to or put into jobs just because they are in a certain place at a certain time, which are not necessarily a what they're good at or b what they really would want to be doing. And that, to me, seems to create a whole other dynamic and potential for conflict.
1: Well, there's no question. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, The thing that immediately came to my my mind as you were describing that is this whole uh, thing of expectations. Yes. Right? Generation two or generation three or cousin or or niece or whatever – is coming in because it's necessary, because it's been the way it's been planned forever, it's because you are there at the right time. But the reality is there's all of these expectations on both sides, and they never get talked about. And the same thing is true in other businesses as well. What I often tell people is, listen, the job description doesn't describe the job. It just sort of lays out the basic starting point. And so... As leaders, whether it's a family business or otherwise, one of the things we've got to do is set clear expectations with people about what success looks like. Otherwise, they're flying blind. And in a family business, that's more true than in any other, simply because there are so many unspoken expectations there's so much so many things that people assume that you just know there's so many things that people assume you'll be good at or you'll be able to do there's so many relationships that people assume that you already have etc cetera, etc cetera. and and those assumptions uh, around expectations and and unclarity in expectations are huge opportunity if you will for conflict to develop
0: but but huge opportunities as well for people to have those conversations and actually set a path to success which they can then review from time to time along the way. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and you know that's the point. The point is that, you know, what I just described, while, the, while someone may be more skilled or so, than someone else that's starting that conversation, in the end it's about both people understanding what each other's expectations are, having them clearly stated, having them written down, and then reviewing them regularly. And now we can have a conversation about whether we are or aren't meeting the expectation, as opposed to, well, it just doesn't look like you're quite doing it, or I don't understand why they're not doing their job.
0: And do you find also um, that startup businesses, do you get involved in those at all? People right at the beginning of their business ventures? Yep.
1: we do sometimes. And again, I think expectations are huge. The situation there is a lot of people don't know what their expectations are yet. Yes. So if, if you get hired in a startup or you're a part of a startup, you've got to slow down enough to take the time to talk about those expectations and talk about, and again, this would apply to everybody as well. Talk about what are we going to do when we sense that we're out of alignment on expectations. In other words, how will we raise the conversation? What will we do? Do we have a code word? Do we have? You know, what What is it that will allow us to open that back up, or to to decompress, or to um, take down the uh, the emotional level enough to to allow us to have that kind of conversation?
0: And then I go on as a mediator to say, you know, if we really can't have that conversation or we get stuck with that conversation, how do we know the trigger point when we need to ask someone else to come in and help us? When does that happen and what does that look like and how do we instigate that too?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, I think that the work that you do and the work that people like you, you do around the world is so critically important. And one of the things that gets in the way is people don't know, well, sometimes people don't know that really how accessible or how to, how, to, how to make that call or when to bring someone in, yeah. um, but also is how do we decide collectively that it's time. Yeah. This is beyond what we can handle ourselves or beyond what our own internal resources or our own HR staff or whatever can handle. When do we need to bring someone in who has, has significant skill um, in this area? And hopefully the things we're talking about this morning are all, you know, preventative and keep us from needing you. So I could say, why are we having this conversation, Jane? No, but but, um, um, but really I think that a lot of what we're talking this morning is all, excuse me, preventative.
0: Well, I'm always it's trying us. to encourage people to, to do what, you know, what you're doing to, to take the preventative measures. But of course they don't, sadly.
1: <laughs> Which allows you to have work, so... <laughs>
0: Exactly so. Um, so, Kevin, um, if you were to give one piece of advice from all of the... I mean, I've got the the whole idea that expectations is the, is the key thing. And, and, you know, it's expectations, 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 really, that, you know, people have to be clear about those to be able to talk about them, to be able to know when they're not being met, how to raise <coughs> the conversation. But is there one key piece of advice that you would say is the most important for people to take away.
1: Yeah, don't wait. Um, yeah. You know, on either side of this, if you are the, the the friend or the new boss, if you're the new boss or the supervisor of that person, wherever you are there, um, you're a leader. And so go first. Don't wait for someone else because they may not be as, uh, self-aware as you, they might not be. Uh, they may not have listened to this call. Uh, they may not. They may not be. Uh, they may be reticent for one reason or another. And our responsibility to the relationship and our responsibility to the organization is to make sure these conversations take place. So, d- regardless of which side of the coin you are on, if it were, as it were, um, my advice would be be willing to go first. Raise the conversation. Ask the other person to engage in a conversation with you. Recognize that if you don't, it might not happen. And then we might have to call Jane. So, um, you know, be willing to go first. Be willing to show your vulnerability. Be willing to show your concern. Be willing to recognize that it may not always be as easy as it seems right now. And be willing to go first and recognize that the stuff we've talked about in this call is all stuff that you can do it's not beyond your ability so be willing to go first go for go forward confidently and yet humbly and have conversations with people
0: so don't delay speak today
1: (laughs) there you go see that's way better than what I said so
0: (laughs) well part of my job is summarizing what people have just said (laughs) exactly Um, So, Kevin, these calls are always too short, but I'm really grateful for you taking the time this morning. Um, I'm fascinated by what you do. It dovetails so nicely with what I do as well. And um, I just wish people did have more of these vital conversations.
1: Well, you know, Jane, it's been my pleasure. And, you know, people can learn more about the book at frombudtoboss.com. And we have an associated uh, community where there are a lot of resources whether you buy a book or not. Uh, And and there are many more if you do than if you don't. But there are many resources available that can help people with some of these kinds of topics by going to budtobosscommunity.com. So you can go either of those places and learn more about the book we've been talking about a little bit, and give you some resources beyond this call to help you along that path.
0: Excellent. Kevin, thank you very much for that. And thank you very much for your time this morning. That's great.
1: It's been my pleasure. Thanks a lot.
0: Thank you.